The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange and the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. What's going on? How y'all doing this evening? I hope you all can hear me um, very clear. I'm ready to do this, ready to rock and roll. How you doing this evening? I'm good, bro. As you guys know, the NFL Combine is, is going right now. We had wide receivers, tight ends yesterday with the quarterbacks. Today, we have a lot of the offensive linemen going. So I know a lot of Bengals fans, if you're not catching this live, it might be because, or if you're listening to this, the next day is probably because you were knee-deep in that draft content. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about the Combine for the most part. And like we kind of talked about the big boys, and it's 
a very special position for us, right? Because coming off of the Super Bowl performance, everybody was talking about Bengals D O line, Bengals D O line. We kind of talked about some free agent and trade kind of targets last show. Um, this show we'll kind of dive in a little bit to some of those offensive linemen. Um, so one of the things that I kind of have put together for this show is just kind of looking at guys and, and guys that I think just based off of data that the Bengals could be interested in. So the first thing is guard, right? Like everybody's talked about right guard. When you look at the Bengals from an average age aspect, they look for guards that are generally like 22 to 23 years old. The average is really 23, right? You talk about the weight that averages out at 311 pounds. The minimum that they've had, the smallest guard that they've ever drafted, period, since Duke Tobin's been there, 297 pounds. The biggest guard, believe it or not, is the one that they took last year in Jackson Carmen at 330 pounds. Oh, when you talk about the height, the average is generally around 6'5", but you've seen them draft them anywhere from 6'3 to 6'7". Um, and so the other aspect of this is like what conference did they play in, right? They had four from the Pac-12, two from the SEC, two from the Big Ten. And I just put together some guys that kind of match what they're looking for from that aspect. And with this draft, like who would be that? Uh, Kennard is a guy. I don't know if it's – is it Kennard or Kennard? I always say Kennard. Kennard um, is a guy out of that mode. He's got a 90.6 PFF score. He's comparable if you're not aware of what his game style is like because he's our lineman. He's kind of comparable to Cody Ford or Deontay Brown. He's kind of out of that mode, right? Uh, but some of these guys – that might be listed as tackles and stuff like that. I generally go by what the Bengals would kind of use them as. So you're going to see multiple of these guys in multiple spots. Uh, Linderbaum, believe it or not, is kind of a fit for what they like at the guard size and position as well. Go ahead. Let, me, let me ask you about Zion Johnson because he just ran earlier today. I, I was pretty impressed with him for the most part. A lot of people bring him up a lot. He meets a lot of the different, uh, I guess, things that I look for in a guard. Uh, he's he's at six two. He's three hundred fourteen pounds. Right at that threshold, you I think you just mentioned three what eleven or something like that. Yeah, it was uh three eleven is the average. Okay, he's got the arm length at thirty three and seven and a and seven eighth. You might as well say thirty four inch arms, which is good. Mm -hmm. Hand at ten and seven eighths. That's one. And as far as like his forty time that he ran, he ran uh five point one, which isn't crazy fast or whatever. We I'm, it, it's good. It's good for him. You know, it's good. It's good for a guard, like period. Like we saw yeah. a guy. I, I don't know. Did y'all see Cross run? I posted him earlier. Today. He um, he ran a four nine, bro, at three hundred. A dude that that I have uh, for Bengal standards, he would be a tackle for them. So Cross is definitely on that list. And like you said, he was big and ran. What were you gonna say? His forty time was for people that that are unaware. It was a, a four nine five. That's crazy. For a 300-something-pound 300, 300 man, like, that's insane. That is insane. You got um, Kellen Deesh that ran a 4.89. Trevor Penning, who a lot of Bengals fans like as well, ran a 4.9 as well. Deesh um, is a guy that gets mocked to the Bengals a lot in, like, the third. I don't know if now that faster 40, I don't know. Typically, that doesn't make them move up crazy unless they run a crazy – uh, number but the and thing, the, the, one of the things I was listening to, I think it was locked on NFL draft. There isn't a correlation for 40 time for receivers, right? 
There mm -hmm. isn't really many positions that have a correlation to how successful they're going to be. But believe it or not, there is a correlation for linemen in their 40 times. And the ones that you're talking about, like I think they said Trent Trent Williams ran a 4-8. Generally, oh, if you run yeah. in that in that 4-8-4-9, generally there's a strong correlation that kind of says you will be a successful lineman in the NFL, which is kind of crazy because most people put that stock on like your skill positions, right? Like corner, mm -hmm. wide receiver. But it's really the trenches where that kind of shows. Now, not necessarily for defense alignment because they kind of went with like the 10-yard split as really having that correlation. But I was surprised to hear that for offense alignment, that 40 time is really important. Right. Um, some of the other guys I know that stand out, I don't know if any of you guys will fall to us, but um, I was I was kind of had on my TV at uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to incorrectly pronounce his name, but Ikeem Ekwunu for NC State. He had a pretty impressive showing earlier. Tyler Lindenbaum is a guy that isn't going to test um, that the Bengals should be keeping their eye on. Uh, there are some people that have a mocked as early as 15, 16. I feel like with all of the talk of the Bengals going uh, free agency with the Pac-Man report saying that uh, Jensen's going to – not a report, but him actually just saying it <laughs> – that uh, Jensen is uh, three years, $39 million. It still doesn't take away the fact that Linderbaum, to me, if he's there at 31, you still just draft him because you could work with him. Some of the things that might come up – though, are the arm length, though, if you're thinking about playing them at guard or something like that. So I think that if you get Jensen, then you kind of pivot over to the defense. Um, Evan, yeah, he could potentially play guard, though, depending upon, like, that's what they have him down here. The interesting thing was he was more of a match for guard, for the Bengals at least, than he was at center, which I thought was was pretty interesting because I'm not sure how tall he is, uh, but um, some of the guys that are like, like, they don't take centers over six four like you got to be six mm -hmm. three or six four like they're weird in particular with that but they have more of and i think he's at he might be um six five so like they might put him potentially at guard and they the, the comp that they gave for him was jason kelsey so if you're at home yeah. and you don't know much about him one of the comps for him was jason kelsey but continue your, your thoughts about linderbaum uh linderbaum I, I just think he's a stud man i feel like uh, a lot of people worry about him against the AFC North, but one of the things that I've noticed that, because that is the one guy that I watch more than anybody. One of the things that, because I don't know if it's, if, if it's his wrestling background, his balance is incredibly, like, he's incredibly balanced with all of his techniques. He's always centered. He has a good punch. There are different things that you're looking for. And then the other thing that stands out to me is a lot of times he's blocking and then he's looking for another man. Generally, like when I see like centers or any guard or whatever, like, yeah, that are generally like they'll get on their block, they'll come off of it or they'll stay on it. And, and you'll see that on tape. They're still kind of wrestling with a guy. Usually when you finish a guy off and then you're looking for more work is what we generally like. That's what I call it. Looking for more work. Is that a glass eater? I don't like people talking about all this glass eating. Like that's the we'll get to that guy. Philele, I think the the that's the guy that I think they were saying was eating glass. He's a bit of a project, but then if that was the second round pick, I would go crazy over it. If it was the 31st pick, I'd be very upset because that's a project. And as we're talking about, I thought it was good on the episode that we just had two days ago to talk about our philosophy on like 
what are you thinking? What's the plan coming into the draft? That doesn't mean that you're trying to come into the draft and just say, oh, I want that. I want I got to get two offensive line right here. Like, but you do need to have some kind of concise plan to say this is what I, I intend to do. And um, that's what a Linden Ball conversation kind of gets kind of weird to me because if you do get Jensen, then I feel like the limitations on Linderbaum will, will probably take him off your off your board. But at the same time, if he was there at thirty one, he's just really good. Yeah. He's always he's always looking if for work. Put, if you put Jensen at, at center, right. you could play him at guard. You could play Linderbaum at guard. And see, but that's the thing. Even with, even with him, the reason why he's a center to me is because of the arm limb. It's the reason why I wouldn't want him at guard. And then Jensen, you wouldn't pay him coming off of all of those years to now come play guard just because you went drafted a center. So it's just it's just a complicated thing. And then and then keep this in mind: by you doing these moves, that means that you're cutting Trey Hopkins. They're not going to restructure him. They don't see Trey Hopkins as a starting guard for their team. And his cap hit is six million, so you wouldn't even have him. You couldn't even have him on the bench. Um, but if they if they go to the center route uh, with Jensen, then they come to the draft. Then they say, um, we're not looking at Linderbaum. Or say somebody gets Linderbaum. That's just one more defensive player, I think, that the Bengals might be looking at. But just to get back to Linderbaum real quick, he's always looking for work. He's always able to block guys at the second level. When you hear people say blocking at the second level, you'll see him sometimes engaging with, sometimes in some of these clips, engaging with safeties, just looking for work, getting to that second level, finding that linebacker after he gets off his first man, couple pancakes here and there. He's he's all about balance, and that's one thing that's really good about him. One thing that I see on Zion, um, and these I like to keep it realistic. The, these guys that I'm naming are guys that I feel like might be on the board or they'll be very close. Zion, a lot of people like the way he plays, and he's got like a nastiness to his game. But one of the things I think they'll be able to fix up really quick with communication is just uh communicating on stunts he's has a he has a problem with stunts a lot of these times and they're kind of marking some of these pressures on him he doesn't have that many pressures i think even adam but like the four or five that i think i saw they're just a product of stunts and one thing that he'll do too is sometimes he'll get unbalanced with his technique as well so those are the but aside from that if he was there at 31 i wouldn't be upset with that too for the guy that's just saying and I'm not running away from drafting offensive line at 31. It just has to be the right guy. Zion, I think, is the is the right guy. Linderbaum is the right guy. Um, the third guy, uh, you could go with what you was about to say. God. Yeah, they got Jamari Salyer. He's another dude that's out there. Believe it or not, he's compared to Quentin Spain. So that's another mm-hmm. option at guard. Kenyon Green, he comes in actually Green. like the the lowest PFF. Really? Take that with a grain of salt. It's 72, so it's not bad. I think him to Isaiah Wayne and Richie Incognito. I like Kenyon Green. I like him. I like I like him better than uh, Zion. And only reason why I like Kenyon Green better than Zion is because with Kenyon you can move him around a little bit, and Kenyon can play like different spaces on the excuse me on the offensive line. So that's the great thing about Kenyon Green. He's got some flaws in his game. I mean, all these guys that we're talking about, we're talking about drafting the fifth, sixth offensive line guy coming off the board so you're not getting the best of the best if the if the kid that i just said i came from uh nc state somebody like that fell down to you in some crazy world or something like that yeah like that's 
plug and play day one starter. All these guys I'm talking about, they all will start for the Bengals right now. Period. Yeah, nah, facts, facts. So when you talk about the center aspects, um, it's it's kind of somewhat limited here. They've only actually like the most conference that they pick from has been the SEC. The weight generally tends to be 309. Age is once again 22, 23. Um, you're talking about weight-wise, 301 to 319. Okay. Height, 6364. So the people that I found that We're kind good. of that, Kenyon Green, Jamari Sayer, depending on what they D- do. Does it, does it talk about 40 times? Uh, no, I'm not looking at 40 times. All right. Like that. All I, right. Do have, I do have the relative athletic scores for average. And so okay. it sometimes I don't like using those because for like, Jackson Carmen last year, he didn't test. So there, there's literally nothing there for him. But if you take him out of the equation for the guards, it's actually an 8.02. That's the most athletic position that the Bengals generally draft. Um, when you go to the center, it's kind of crazy because that's like the least athletic position that right. they draft. It's like a 5.28. And um, and that and, and centers in general will be like that, you know, and that's what makes Linderbaum and, and Creed Humphreys of the world special. That's what makes Jensen special. He's more athletic. The difference, the knock that you're going to hear on Bozeman, he came into the league a little younger. That's the the center from the Ravens. He came into the league a little bit younger. So a lot of people feel like he's going to st- he's still ascending. And so if they were to go do get Bozeman or something, they're banking on the fact that they still they still believe that he's ascending. But keep in mind he was drafted in the sixth round, and and and, and part of that is because of the lack of athleticism. Facts. Um, I'm gonna get into some super chats real quick. My man Nandan, do we pick a receiver in the mid rounds, them 40s? I feel like that's a good point to like pick one because I feel like we still need wide receiver four. So mid rounds, I could see it. What about you, John? I can see it 100%. I mean, you know, I'm not disappointed with Mike Thomas or or uh, uh, Trent Taylor, but if Trent Taylor, uh, what did we hear at the conference the other day? uh, Darren Simmons was saying hey, they want a punt returner that is going to put the fear of God in people. That's not Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor is super shorthanded. I like Trent Taylor. I know it's a small sample size, but the two-point conversion, some of the stuff that I felt like even in the practice clips and a lot of different things that we saw throughout the year, I feel like he's shifty enough to do some cool stuff. The kid that I want everybody to kind of keep their eye on, he ran a 4-3 yesterday at the wide receiver position. He's from Memphis. He played at Memphis. Uh, I sent them to you earlier today. Um, his name, I had to go back in our thing. But the kid from Memphis, he probably would be like a Calvin mid-round Austin. guy. Calvin Austin. Calvin, Calvin, Calvin Austin the third. So that's one of the guys that's a little shiftier, Deontay Johnson type mode, can get in out of breaks. He has a lot of film on him catching contested footballs. Um but yeah, that that's the type of guys that I think that they should probably be targeting. There, the crazy thing about this draft, though, in the mid rounds, there's going to be some big guys like Auden Tate, like guys that are are faster than Austin, that that are fat, faster than Auden Tate. So that's something else. I don't know what the Bengals are looking for a red zone threat. You got to think if you get like Gronk or somebody like that, you're not looking for that guy. You're looking for the shifty, quick guy that can run a forty time of four four. So yeah, four, there's another kid, Taquan Thornton, four two eight that he ran yesterday, six two one eighty one. You know they originally put that at a four two one, right? Wow, that's crazy. Did you know that? Nah, I did not know that. But his his unofficial sound was four two one. I'm sorry, tell me the rest of his stuff. 
But Taekwon Thornton or uh, Taekwon Thornton, he came from uh, Baylor. He's a guy that shows a lot of separation on tape. He also is uh, pegged as a special teamer as well. So I don't know if they're talking about as far as returns or if they're talking about as a gunner. But that could be a guy that could be doing something that could put the fear of of uh, God in anybody um, as a returner. So I think I think definitely. Um, Taekwon could possibly be one of those guys, but yeah. Pull, pull up, pull up. Have to go ahead. Pull up that Amari Cooper super chat. That Amari Cooper super chat. All right, one second. I'm gonna get ENC as the Bengals signing Joku and Joku goes off. It's already been reported from Mary Kay Cabot that he's returning to the Browns, so I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Amari Cooper getting released by Dallas um, from our man Landon McLeod for 199. Russ. I honestly was kind of shocked about this. This is what I actually called you about earlier, Zim, because I felt like I knew Shot. that Amari was a cap casualty, potential cap casualty. But what I thought that they would do is I thought that they would restructure his money and try to find a way to keep him, which is why I was like, all right, they're going to keep Amari. So, like, that's why I kind of came to the Tyron Smith thing, because I'm like, if they got a choice between keeping Amari and Demarcus Lawrence or, or Tyron, like, I'm like, all right, they're going to probably keep him. But today they come out and they say that he's getting released, which you already know from reading that article. That's what teams do when they want to trade somebody, right? Yes, that's sir. It seems like Amari Cooper could get traded. But if that's the case, that, that, that brings them to, I think, like $6 million over the cap. Because at first they were negative $22 million, So they must have done a restructure before to get them to negative 13 And now if they cut Amari... That gives them like three million in cap space, but they right. still need more. So I'm like, all right, are you guys willing to take a trade for Tyron or Lyle Collins as well? Because those are other guys that were cap right. casualties listed over there, and they still have to also sign Michael Gallup, right? So if you are letting, and, and he's Lamar coming off, he's coming off an injury, and you know the other guy that I think I like better than Gallup. Is the is the fourth wide receiver Cedric Wilson? Cedric Wilson, I like Cedric Wilson for them as well. I like Cedric Wilson for us. I don't think we will be able to afford him. Cedric Wilson is a lot better than what than what I ever thought he was. I learned about him, I guess, through fantasy football more so because I was kind of like saying, "Man, Dallas four couldn't hang with our four, but I was wrong. Cedric Wilson is really, really, really good. Cedric Wilson um, is definitely a dog for sure. But I don't know what he would command on. But he would be. He would never come to the Bengals and be a fourth option. But that's the that's the mold of the guy that I think they need. Guy with speed, shorthanded, can go in the slot, can go outside. Cedric Wilson is exactly the type of wide receiver that the Bengals need. Like but interchangeable. At the end of the day, though, Dallas has to keep somebody more than just C.D. Lamb, right? So that means right. that they have to open that space up because even it, even if they trade Amari and don't have to pay that. They're still only sitting at, I think, about like $3 million over the cap. So there's no way that you can pay um, Michael Gallup if you do plan on doing that without freeing up some more of that money. Could that come right. in the form of like Demarcus Lawrence? Yeah, but you got $5 million sitting right over there with Tyron right. Smith if you move on from him. So I think that's going to be like super interesting. And you're going to see a lot of that around the league this, this year. And we kind of touched on it last year with cap casualties. That's not the only one. And if Amari Cooper at 27 years old can be a cap casualty for somebody, nobody is safe. Like anybody else out there that's like teetering on that line, like a Taylor Lewan or like a Jake Matthews, like nobody is safe. So just keep that in mind because 
this free agent pool is going to get added to. The one thing, though, I want to touch on before uh, we get back to these super chats, though, is tackle. Tackle to average age is, is 23. The relative athletic score to average is 7.46. So not the 8.02 like guard, but pretty close. Um, you're looking at anybody like generally they have an average weight of 315 pounds. The smallest that Duke Tobin has ever drafted has played for the Bengals has been 298. The biggest has been 342. The average height is usually 6'6". So they like them tall boys when it comes what, to, to what tackle. about si- what about six seven? Because I feel like that Kellen Dish because yeah, he runs that because yeah. he ran that four yeah. nine. They go going anywhere. The minimum is six four. The max is six eight. So anywhere within that range, they can go. The average just a six six, but they can take somebody six seven. They can take somebody six eight. But if you were to say they'll play somebody at tackle that six three or six two, they're not going to do it. At least based off of their draft history, they would probably have them at like guard or center or something like that. But that's uh, what they have for the conferences, five from the SEC, three from the Big 12, two from the Pac-12. So, yeah, because uh, Deesh played at Arizona State. That is, that is a guy that I want people to kind of keep their keep a, keep an eye on because, to me, if we're talking about the future of this offensive line, I understand that we're about to maybe go do something where we go get a tonsil or get someone, get a tackle or something that maybe is a little bit longer than the tooth at 28, close to 30, somewhere in that ballpark, right? I think Deontay Smith represents the future for the Bengals, where you bring them back by the time that this run that we're on right now is over and you go pay Joe Burrow the most money in the history of football. Then you come back with Deontay Smith, like, you know, three years from now, and that's your starting, like, right tackle or something, right? And then you, on the other end, you got to go get that other guy. And I think, like, Deesh is a guy to really keep an eye on because he's a little undersized based off of what you you just told me. But he's at three he's at three oh two, I believe. So uh, he, he can still he can still fit in. If he's three, you so he's six seven three oh two. Yep. Yeah, they'll still take him. So quick average, I, if you see him too, he that. but the men, the smallest that they've taken, they've drafted somebody that was two hundred and ninety eight pounds before. Right. Some some somehow between nineteen ninety nine to now. Duke Tobin has drafted somebody that age. So Deesh does actually fit in there. Um, and then you talk about the Pac-12. They've taken two from the Pac-12. So right. he definitely fits that mode for sure. I, I like I like him as like a third-round pick. If he was there to be in the third, I actually wouldn't be opposing him trading back in the second and then getting two guys. And if they came back with Deesh or something like at the end, because I really feel like the board is going to show you like defense on this first pick. But I think one thing that they can make up for it is, like, by coming back and getting a stud guard that we're not thinking maybe a Zion Johnson or somebody like that falls a little bit. I don't know. But say they come back and get that guy. But the icing on the cake to me where you walk out of the draft and feel like you won the draft is to come back and get, like, a Deech and say, like, this is probably our tackle for the future and we're all going to treat him as such. If we can just – if we can get him in the Deontay Smith program that we got right now – where this is the first guy in the building. He works really hard. I've read a lot of stuff on Deesh. I haven't seen any tape on him yet, but the 40 uh, time made me kind of pay more attention to him. And then just looking at his frame and everything like that, I feel like year one, yeah, that you would just bull rush the hell out of him. But there's not too many ends that I could think of in the NFL that will be able to get around him as quick as some of these big uh, – oversized tackles that are kind of making, you know, like kind of their heyday 
in the in the NFL right now. So it, it's a, it's a tough conversation on like how you want to go in the draft, but that's a guy to keep a name on. I think like like we were saying earlier, like Zion Johnson, I think is a guy. Uh, Deech is a guy that definitely Kamar, like. Li- you got Cross. I, it's, see, Cross the only reason why I, the only reason why I hate Canard is because if you got Canard, it would be at thirty-one, and Canard isn't ready for the NFL. The length of his arms, I think, alone, I think, are a little too short. I gotta go back and make sure on that. But I don't think his arm length re- meets the threshold that I would want it to be at. I wrote a note on that. Uh, but but Canard is not ready to start in the NFL. So if you draft him at 31, most Bengals fans are going to say, yeah, that's our guy. We got him. Da, da, da. Like, he's not ready. He about as ready as, like, Jackson Carmen was like. He's Jackson Carmen 2.0. The he's Jackson that I have he's the same. Is, this is what I have on him for, like, the strengths. He has an oak tree frame with pro- proportional thickness throughout. Premium wingspan and enormous hands. His weaknesses wingspan. His weaknesses are um, oversetting needs to be monitored and corrected. Lackadaisical approach in his pass punch. So okay, yeah, like you said, potentially had some issues there. Um, Charles Cross is one that they got down for tackle. Marquise Hayes is another. This Abraham Lucas dude is interesting because. For, for guard and tackle for them, and they compare him to Bobby Bobby Massey. He's got an 81 uh, pro football focus grade. So, yeah, they got some some other dudes on here. I also got, like, a list of, like, strengths and weaknesses that I could, that I could oh, yeah. talk about, too, but – yeah, said, let him, uh, yeah, yeah actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, nah, 34 and 5 A's. That ain't bad. Yeah. His, hand his, hand, his hands are huge. 11 and a half. 6'5", six, like, six, 320. That's crazy. Okay, okay. No, I, I got I got that part off. No, nah, no, nah, um, you good. I mean, whatever you feel about the dude is, is what it is because the tape don't lie. So, like, if you feel that way. He looks – I don't know why he plays like that. <laughs> like, where, where, where he struggled to get reach blocks. That's the only thing that I saw, like, on it. Like, he struggled to reach. So, the other dude that's interesting that I kind of talked about, the Abraham Lucas dude, he went to, it looks like, Washington State, played in the Pac-12, uh, 322. Uh, looks like he's kind of tall as well. He's got the 34-inch uh, arms. Um, it says that he was a durable four-year starter with impressive body composition. He has a background mm-hmm. as a high school basketball player, so we, we will be getting another hooper to hoop with the Migos, but that's neither here nor there. The issue, though, is they say that he has too many false start penalties in 2021. He's heavy-legged and lumbering in the run game, so – that's that's some of his issues that he has. Have you speaking of the Cowboys? Have you heard about us like getting uh being the, the other guy that we signed is Connor Williams, who is a is a very penalty heavy guy. Connor Williams, Connor Williams, yeah. See, here's my thing about penalties. I, I went back to free agency. I'm sorry. This I just no, no, no. You're good. I'm glad you brought this up because I wouldn't mind Connor Williams because he only gave up one sack on the season, right? But mm-hmm. penalties are are something, right? But to me, penalties are something that can be coached. Like, you can improve on penalties. Like, strength and speed and athleticism, you can't coach that. So, like, for me, if somebody has a penalty problem, that's something I feel like can be corrected, right? But if I got 34-inch arms uh, and you need somebody with 36, I can't correct that. There's no coaching that you can really do to change that. So, 
and this doesn't just doesn't go for Connor Williams, just anybody in general. If that's something, I feel like that's something that can be coached and worked on, right? Versus something that can't be changed. So for Connor Williams, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't give him a gang of money or anything, but like I think I had posted him or, or some somehow he came up and somebody was like, he was the worst person on Dallas's <laughs> line. And I'm like, Dallas has a really good line. Like you got Tyron Smith, you got Zach Martin. Right. You got Lyle Collins. Like, if he's the worst guy out of that bunch, Connor McGovern is good too. Like, right. all of these guys on PFF are like eighty and up. So, like, right. for me, with, with him, we would kill, we would kill for anybody on the Cowboys line. Yeah, we'd take anybody on the Cowboys line, like for sure. But yeah, with, with Connor Williams, I'm not. I think he would be like a sneaky person that I'd be like, all right, cool. I would feel confident with him, but I would feel like Frank Pollock would be able to work with him to kind of get some of those penalties and stuff like that. So when I see that about this kid, Abraham Lucas, that's not something that worries me, like especially with us coming from playing football. Like the penalties thing, you know, that could kind of be corrected. Like you can find out when right. what counts you actually going on and stuff like that. Now – could it mean that if he's still doing it, that there's some kind of learning difficulty? Maybe. But I just feel like you can kind of work with that in a sense right. because it wasn't too long ago that we used to have guys jumping off sides. Some of those guys are still here, but they're not doing it anymore. So that just tells me that maybe the coaching is better now. Right. Before we close this out, let me get a, give people a sneak preview. I could go first or you can go first. We're going to get into – we started this. I want everybody to – we started the free agent mock simulator but last, last year. We were the first one to do it, and then some other people followed up after that, right? But just giving people a sneak preview, do you want to go first or I go first? Um, what will be like an idea, just quick overview of what you would want to do? You already, you already know the first move that I'm making on the free agent simulator is I'm training for time <laughs> time You know it. You know it. Him or Lyle Collins, somebody is coming to the natty, man. Like that's that's where it probably starts with me. But you guys know that by now. But um, that would probably be my first one. I'm probably gonna end up trading for an offensive tackle. That doesn't mean I'm done with O line after that, right? Because you still got free agency, you still had a draft. But that's probably where my plan kind of starts at. Um, and then it's gonna be hard to simulate. Uh, I guess like people that are cap casualties, I guess they, right. they still do have that in there as well, but that's probably where it starts for me. But the biggest surprise I think that'll come from majority of the audience and the listeners is that my sole focus will not just be offensive line. It's going to be a part of it, but there's going to be it's, other. It's, it's got to be the, it's got to be the focal point though. Like, like yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel like a lot, yeah. at least, at least for me, I feel like a lot of moves are centered around, the future of being able to sign, you know, T. Higgins and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase every year is a factor every year because I can't lose those three. And then aside from that, you know, it, it's it's really about like protecting Joe Burrow first. And then after that, I want to make this defense. I was I was telling you this earlier today and a lot of people might shoot us like they might poo poo this away is the fact that I was watching a, a quick like overview of the Legion of Boom. And, and if you go back and look at the Legion of Boom, there's a lot of similarities of how they started and what the Bengals currently have now. Like Awuzier, of course, we're being like Richard Sherman. What we still believe Awuzier is still like entering. He's like currently at his prime or entering his prime. Right. And then you got Bates being, you know, um, 
Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas, and then uh, Camp Van Belband, Cam Chancellor, and then they always had another corner that you might know, you don't know, whatever could be Eli Apple of the world. It could, and and then the kicker is this: Trey Flowers came from that, and he was at the tail end of that. He was the other guy, and it just goes to show you like how you know, a defense kind of can get started with that. But the one thing that the Legion of Boom now, granted, you know, Russell Wilson is a dog, but I don't think the Legion of Boom was ever aided with weapons on the opposite side of the field as well, which is the scary part for the Bengals. So starting off, just sign Jesse Bates, get my Legion of Boom. They call it money on the floor, get money crew. I forgot whatever it's called, something like that. Get them together. Um, Sign... I'm all on. I'm on board with Jensen. Give me Jensen. Sign him. Um, give me another guy, whether it be in the form of Tyron. I'm not gonna make mine as exact. Give me Tyron or Tyron level of a tackle. Like it has to be a guy like on this line. Like I don't care what they do, whether they do it through the draft or whatever. They have to have one elite alpha Trent Williams level big time dog on the line. If that's Tyron, if that's Tunsil, whatever, give it to me. It doesn't matter. Then I go into the draft. I come out the draft with two guys on, on offense. The mm-hmm. two guys that I come out on offense with are going to be one, a guy that could potentially battle for the guard position, and another guy is a guy that I'm thinking about as my future tackle behind Jonah or behind whoever on the right-hand side. doesn't matter. Come out the draft with those two. Come out of the draft, catch me one of them, um, one of them cap casualty offensive line guys, and then I'm set with offensive line. So everything else is just BPA at that point. That's and another thing too. I I just I'm totally sold on the six corners that I think we have on our radar. I think as Bengals fans or just fans of whatever. When you get to 31, I just think one or two of those guys 100% will be there at 31. I also think there's two or three edge guys 100% will be there at 31. I can't wait till we start talking about edge because edge is another there one. There's some, there's some cap casualties out there on that edge market, depending and, on what you want to do, that are going to look nice. Right, right. So to me, that that's the ultimate plan is like start off like that's it. I know I'm not as exact. We'll get into more exacts when we get into the simulator. But that's the plan, and that's kind of my focus, how I'm looking at the draft. So it's like – if anyone catches us in an episode or I'm in an episode and I'm not leaning towards offensive line heavy in the draft, it's because we went and got two studs before we even went to the draft. And when I come out of the draft, I'm banking on one of them cap casualty dudes. I'm going to get one of them. Morgan Moses was the same way last year. It was just a cap casualty that got, you know, whatever. They let him go, and then it is what it is. Another thing that might help us in our decision is – who likes barbecue the most? If one of those guys like Midwest Best Barbecue better than the other one, I'm going to probably lean with that guy. If you guys haven't had a chance, go to Midwest Best Barbecue in Loveland, Ohio. Um, please make sure you check them out. They got the best food in town, Uno Wings, all types of I mean, lemon pepper, anything that your, your tongue tickles this fancy, go ahead and go to Midwest Best Barbecue and check them out. But a lot of offensive line is like, how much can you put down a plate? Can you clean up the plate? Can you knock out the sauce? Can you get the fixings? Can you knock out the mashed potatoes? So I need some dogs up front. No, nah, that's facts. Another person I definitely wouldn't mind taking. I don't know if he's going to be there, but if Andrew Booth is there for sure in our in our mock I'm definitely taking them. I'm running. When I say, 
<laughs> when I say O-line, don't get me wrong. I still plan on signing, trading, like two or three guys, drafting maybe a guy. But the one thing that I also have to treat as a priority is the three-technique spot for the defense, right? Like you got, you're walking into a situation where that position, if you guys remember two years ago, it got hit really hard when Geno Atkins was down and we had a lot of injuries there. So don't forget the other sides of this as well. In that corner position, that second corner, depending on what happens there, especially with them losing so many, those are going to be other positions that I might prioritize as well. Um, maybe not as top tier as offensive line, but I got to make sure that I got a guy I can depend on at the at least three tech. If it's BJ Hill, cool. Um, if not, but we'll you'll have to see. You'll have to see. Yeah. I wanted to run through some of the cap casualties real quick. Did, did you see? Did you see Hilton? Uh, he was out there uh, working to get uh, JC Jackson earlier today too. JC Jackson, he's worked to try to get. Uh, I feel like that money gonna be too crazy though. Like the, I'm gonna tell you, the Bengals are not about to compete with nobody. They'll sign their own and make their own the highest pay as they've done before with like Dalton, Carson Palmer. All these guys got big contracts. They'll sign their own because they're not competing against anybody. They're gonna look at the market. That's they're, they're smart in that in that way. Yeah, if the as high far as, as far as the cap casualties go though, Brian Bulaga. You got Taylor Lewan out there. You got um, D Ford. Like, there's there's some names. Bradley Roby. There's some names out there that could get cut. Um, so I know somebody has said they wanted to expand on like the on that aspect. Just remember that there's still guys that could be cut, and those right. are some notable guys out there. Miles Jack. Like, I know we straight at linebacker, but that's just letting you know. Like, there's gonna be some other big names. That money, right? potentially here in this this free agency pretty soon right bradbury is a one I, bradbury I just, is one i kind of like bradbury i love Brad, I, I love bradbury your deal for me because he's 28 29 30 he's see he's set to make 13.4 and a he's signing supposed, bonus of three mil to be, i think 21 million is if they keep him. There's no way that they're gonna pay him 21 million. So if they cut him yeah eat like eight million but they save 12 it's like they save 12 because i was just talking right. to somebody on twitter yeah. about that his dead his dead cap hit they they would lose nine yeah but they nine. save 12 if they keep him they gotta pay him 21 million so right. that's that's a lot of people are like yeah the dead cap number is bad but then it's either pay the dead cap or nine or pay 21 and right. that's where they're like ugh they got some tough decisions to make. I, I like Bradbury, but that's where the draft that see, like a lot of this is it's still BPA. I still it's some it's some corners that we'll talk about too that'll still be available in a second, too, that I think would give a corner like Eli a run for his money, like for sure. So there's some guys that we're gonna talk about, but I just think in that first round, I think a guy that could carry you for the next four years is gonna be sitting right there in your face. Like we see it every year. Like we see it every year, like that at that point in the first round, that second round guy, like those guys come out, you know, like think about where was Pat Sertain drafted, like 17, 18. Like some of these guys I'm just thinking about and just recently don't really, you know, they're not top 10 picks, you know what I'm saying? Like so back half of that first round, we look, you looked at the guy Elam, uh, Kair the other day. 
Uh, McDuffie is a guy that could fall. He's a little undersized. He's 5'9". I'm going to tell you another guy that really is his 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 combine is so important. Uh, so important. His name is Joyner. It's the guy opposite side of McDuffie at Washington. That kid right there can ball too. But the reason why it's hard for people to get a high grade on him is because he had limited amount of snaps. So a limit. Wanted to do somebody just mentioned this dude in the chat and I talked to you about him. I haven't watched Gordon. him. Yet. I said, I said, I said, I said, Jordan. I said, Jordan. Somebody, somebody mentioned that and it was like everybody forgets that he was like he won the award for like one of the best corners in the nation because everybody's talking about sauce. Kobe Bryant, I can't wait to dig into the film on him because I want to see what his tape looks like, but I think he might be a guy. That might be under the radar. If right. he won, if he won an award for the best corner in the nation, like I heard this morning, that's kind of crazy. So hey. I kind of want to see what Kobe has to bring to the table too at a UC because they gotta know if they can't get sauce, they gotta be looking at the other dude that's in their backyard. If he, if but he but 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 that's but that's round two three though. But but that's the guy though. That that's a that's a perfect example of a guy that would give Eli a run for his money. That's a guy I wouldn't mind in our scheme considering you got the new Legion that's of Boom around him. The the re, the reason why you got the uh Legion of Boom around him, it makes it so that this guy just has to be a zone press corner that just sticks to his assignment year one. It really makes it that simple. And of course, teams think that they'll pick on it, but I think throughout the season. The Bengals, like you remember the Eli Apple pick, he makes a play on it because a lot of teams say, well, that's the guy we're going to go get. Okay, that's the guy we're going to get, but that's the guy that Bates is going to make sure I'm over there every single time you get over there. And it kind of works in our favor. And if you play with us and go over to the other side of the woozy, we feel confident in him with a one-on-one situation. So a lot of this is like if you could get a guy that you think can do that and then some and make a play on the ball too – that can actually catch a football as well. I mean, sky's the limit for the defense, bro. And that's why I think at 31, the corner is just so enticing, especially when you look at how much corners are going for at this free agent market right now. Facts, facts, bro. So that is going to wrap up the show. I know y'all probably are still watching the combine. We're going to be at you uh, at your neck next week with more draft information, more mocks and offseason and all of that. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been the Orange is the New Black podcast. And, of course, we're going to end this with a yes, Sersky. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.